Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and tonight we are reviewing all the afternoon action from a very exciting Week 12. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, but you know what? Fantasy playoffs are right around the corner, and we got some new shit to learn and continue to figure out. As always, I'm joined by none other than PFF Zone, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how was your Sunday? Man, it's going great. Uh, it's pretty, you know, interesting slate today. You know, uh, the late ones kind of got off to a rocky start, but things picked up in the second half for those games. So I was definitely had some DFS interest today, Ian, for sure. There you go. It was one of those days, man, where I feel like if you hit on a couple of the explosions, like it was probably one where I don't know. I don't know about you, but like I always tell myself, like don't look at your earnings until we're done. Like don't even do that. But Every single time, like, if I had Leonard Fournette on one team, and of course, like, halfway through the third quarter in that game, like, I'm checking the lineups, and I'm just tilting my face off the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you had Fournette, it was a very good day today. Yes, that is true. Well, we will get to Lombardi Lenny here a little bit. We're going to kick things off with the Bengals and Steelers. And as always with this, I'm going to quickly run through things that I saw in the games while trying to watch every bit of action today. Some sheeshes, injuries, general cool moments, and also a PFF Lily matchup stat before I throw things back over to Dwayne, who has all the utilization goods that you guys always check out every week in his critically acclaimed and award-winning utilization report. I mean, if it's not award-winning, it freaking should be. So what? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, Bengals 41, Steelers 10. Not even close in this one. Cincy covered with these, overcashed at 53 and a half. So, yeah, Big Ben, even more horrendous than usual. Week five, um, excuse me, week high, five turnover worthy plays. It was bad. I mean, he got bailed out a couple times deep by Chase Claypool because Claypool's awesome. And the touchdown at the end to Pat Fryermuth was one of the best catches of the day. But it was like, Ben, you can't keep making this honey hole throw down the sideline when the safety's coming over. The amount of just times he tried that was honestly nauseating, as was the Steelers' insistence on keeping Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool out there for the entire time. I get it. Deontay was like under 50 yards until probably five minutes left in the fourth quarter so the fantasy manager in me says hey that's great keep feeding my guy targets but the fan in me and also just like the rational person in me says let's not get him hurt again on a meaningless play like you've already done this year so I don't know what was going on with that but either way Deontay keeps on keeping on 
continues to rack up 50 plus yards like there's no tomorrow nine straight games with that only matched by cooper cup this season only other main note from the steelers offense because they scored 10 freaking points and largely sucked today was Najee harris season low let's see he had eight 11 total touches that was the first time he was under 15 all year long it was a dud, and I'm honestly kind of surprised given the overall putrid state of the Steelers' offense this year that we haven't seen more duds from Najee. That just goes to show you how great that sweet, sweet volume can be. More interesting is the Bengals' side of the ball. Joey Burrow, 20 for 24, just 190 yards, touchdown, a pick. But the day could have been even bigger. He hit T. Higgins for what would have been their second touchdown together. About 20 yards out, they ruled it a touchdown originally, came back and said he was just short. So you're not complaining if you're T. Higgins' manager. Six catches, 114 yards, and a score anyway on just a B-E-A beautiful 32-yard loft down the sideline. But yeah, truly could have been even bigger for both parties involved. It was hard for anyone to really ball out when Joey Mixon 165 yards on the ground and a pair of scores ended up being our highest graded running back of the week I believe so far because 127 of those 165 rushing yards came after contact all year long Joe Mixon has really been balling out Dwayne a lot of it has been volume but he's also been carving out you know making dudes miss getting yards after contact on his own as well so Joe Mixon someone that we really drafted and as a fir late first early second round back back in August for the volume it's been good to see him also have these games where he comes on and just shows that hey he can be a baller in his own right get by on more than just raw touches um i mentioned the t higgins sheesh it does suck that auden tate is still sidelined with a thigh but the Bengals are figuring out a way around it and that is gonna about wrap it up on my end of things Dwayne. with this one we did see a little more chris evans involved now my dogs are not happy about Chris Evans being involved, but Dwayne, is this something where it was still the Joe Mixon show, or are we actually now seeing Evans really start to displace Samaje Pirine as the number one backup? Because at, even though Pirine is valuable, man, if Evans can get that job to himself, I just think his ceiling is a lot higher because we've seen him flash as a receiver so far. Yeah, I mean, it really looks like it's going to be a split between the two. Um, you know, if, if we were to see a situation where Joe Mixon went down, P. Ryan and Evans are both really involved. My guess is P. Ryan would take over the short down and distance, early down work. Chris Evans would really get the passing down work. Um, you know, this week, 86% of the two-minute offense actually went to Joe Mixon. Um, the long down and distance went to P. Ryan, uh, but then you saw Chris Evans rotate in a little bit, you know, as well. So, but I mean, Mixon getting 74% of the rushing attempts, like you mentioned today, he didn't have to change his point of attack ever. Like, so the hole he was running to is the hole he ran through every single time he ran today. So. Anytime you have a back that gets that where they, they can have that confidence, right, and where they're going and where the block's supposed to be, um, it typically works out really well, especially from a yards after contact standpoint, which is what you already kind of hit on with Mixon, but 4.79 yards Ooh. per attempt after contact. Like, that's just, that's that's insane. You know, that's that's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, Mixon locked and loaded. I mean, look, he just, he scored two touchdowns. I think this is the fourth week in a row that he scored two touchdowns. So, I mean, he's, he's in great shape from that standpoint. He was actually utilized a little bit in the passing game today. We haven't seen that as much lately, but 17% of the targets did go through Mixon, 24% targets per route run. As far as the rest of the Bengals, really another person I want to hit on is T Higgins. Like you mentioned, um, I mean, could have been an even bigger game, you know, with another touchdown, but we've been talking about this. Like his underlying utilization has actually been really strong. His targets per route run were actually 1% higher, you know, whatever, tomato, tomato. It was like close anyway with Jamar Chase, but technically it was 1% higher. And we knew this boom game was coming for T. Higgins. And I think people just probably lost, you know, 
lost faith though, Ian. You know, to be honest, I had a ton of T. Higgins questions, like names that I would never think people would be asking me about over T. Higgins. And salty like, starts sick questions. Yeah, and and really, like he hasn't been bad. Like he had last week was a bad week, but the two weeks before that, both of those weeks, he was in the top. 36 for sure. I think he was actually in the top 24 both of those weeks. So T. Higgins continues to cook 73% of the air yards today, 30% of the targets. Targeted on 29% of the time, he was in a route. Um, you know, he and Joe Burrow are locked in. Like as far as the top three targets with Burrow, 100% catchable to Boyd, 100% catchable to Chase, 86% of the targets to T. Higgins were catchable. So those are all great. 17.9 ADOT today for T. Higgins, where we had really seen Jamar Chase getting used more down the field. Today, T. Higgins got some of that love. Um, Jamar Chase was actually used much more underneath. His ADOT was only a 2.3 today. On the Steelers side of the ball, Najee Harris, this is the first game, Ian. This is this is from a utilization standpoint where we really didn't see him just totally dominate everything. Now, part of this was just the game script late in the game. I just think they didn't want to risk anything with Harris. Um, but we didn't. We saw him get 53% of the rushing attempts, but only 58% of the snaps. Usually he's up around 70, 75% of the snaps. But I wouldn't sweat it. I think it was just based on the game. It was just, it's a bad game. You're just going to write this one off for Najee Harris. You just move on in the next one. But this is the third or fourth week in a row where we've seen the efficiency thing be an, be a, an issue despite the fact that he's seeing plenty you know of utilization and plenty of work um, Pat Fryermuth did get up to 66% of the routes we'd like to see that around 80% because we have no Eric Ebron yeah. but we've got Zach Gen- we've got Zach Gentry you've got to get Zach Gen- you've got to get Zach Gentry his routes like it's it's written in a manual somewhere <laughs> you know it's probably up next to the Jimmy Graham no trade clause Ian. <laughs> Somewhere in there, but Zach Gentry, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out like what your what your bid is with whenever you talk about Zach Gentry. But got to get him in some routes. Uh, you already mentioned everything on Johnson and Claypool. I mean, just real quick on Johnson. I mean, again, man, 36 percent of the targets. Like, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's crazy to see this guy at like 35 percent of the targets every single week. Like, he's pretty much like in Keenan Allen territory now, Ian. That's kind of what I think of when I think of Deontay Johnson. It's a guy that can get open um, underneath, intermediate, tough to handle in man coverage, knows how to sit down in the zone, and his quarterback is in total lockstep with him. So Deontay Johnson, like for those of you that are still wondering, like, oh, well, Deontay Johnson, like I think the comp really is Keenan Allen. Like that's who I would comp him to from the way he gets used and stylistically the way he plays. Not quite as big as Keenan Allen, but I'm probably a little faster than Keenan Allen at this point in his career. So if you've got Deontay Johnson on your fantasy squad, despite the fact that Ben has been playing terrible and the Steelers are struggling, like he just comes through every week because of this target share. 13 plus targets in six of his last eight games. These are astronomical. Dwayne, we finally saw T. Higgins come back around. Obviously, Chase didn't have the day a lot of people were hoping for. Only three targets, though. I get it if we don't want to rank him like as a legit top six, top eight receiver for a little bit. Still an every week starter at worst upside wide receiver, too, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, we know he can come through. I mean, and I was actually looking at a bunch of this stuff on Chase. Um, he's kind of he's and we talked about it a little bit last week. He is a little bit more of a boom bust type play. We've just been fortunate. We've not had many big busts, right? Typically, he'll still come through with at least a wide receiver three output for you on the games that he doesn't hit. So this will really be one of those first games where you know you just get the three catches for the thirty nine yards. He's probably not. He won't be in the top thirty six. So he was kind of due for one of these. Like it's gonna happen. We can't expect these players, you know, to just never have a complete dud. So to be honest, it's like get your dud with Chase out of the way and let's just move forward. And you know, next week he could be in the top six. 
To Dwayne's point, worst performance of the year was wide receiver 39 back in week two. He has finished inside the top 31 wide receivers in every other game. Chill out. We got the Higgins bounce back. Chase, I'm sure, won't be too far behind. Dolphins took down the Panthers 33-10, covering as a one-and-a-half point dog. Overcashed easily at 41-and-a-half after free-falling throughout the week. Yeah, not not great with Cam. Tough to say he was uh, too back after this one. It started out well, Dwayne. They got down by the goal line. Cam punched it in. He threw a 64-yard bomb to DJ Moore. Vibes were high. Things were looking good. And the man just really couldn't complete any passes after that. Five for 21, just 92 yards on the day. Pair of interceptions that even a stand like me would be hard-pressed to blame on anyone other than Cam out there. So eventually did get replaced by P.J. Walker. We need to see what's going to happen moving forward. I would think that Cam won the job and might have a little bit longer leash, but we'll need to pay attention to what Matt Rule and Joe Brady are saying throughout the week in this one. At a minimum, that low-end QB1 tag we were hoping to ride with with Cam for most of the year is probably going to need to get back down to QB2 territory just because we know that leash might not be as long for him moving forward. So just a really rough day. PFF's lowest-graded quarterback on the week before Sunday Night Football. Um, and yeah, at least DJ Moore did get over that 100-yard mark, had 10 targets on the afternoon. But Dwayne, at this point, he might be the only guy we can use in this offense, period. Robbie Anderson was, again, a ghost. Terrence Marshall was a healthy scratch at this point. And our guy, Christian McCaffrey, unfortunately suffered an ankle injury and was wearing a walking boot on his left leg after the game. Did not receive a single second-half touch. So that's why CMC busted. So please get better, CMC. Hopefully this will be the only true dud of the year for Cam. But hey, we don't know, man. It makes sense that someone that just came off the street a couple weeks ago probably isn't going to be a hundred percent upside each and every week we will see what happens in future matchups but shout out to our guy at least a guy to a uh, another efficient day i mean you look at him he's only had 10 total incompletions over the past two weeks i get it his average target depth you're going to see you know right there with the jimmy garoppolo's of the world but you know what behind again the single worst offensive line in the league and pressure rate it's not really the worst offensive strategy when you got guys like Jalen waddle to help turn little gains into big ones Dwayne, which was something we've been waiting for him to do all year long did that today busting a slant 57 yards not quite in the house because maybe one of the only guys in the National Football League and Dante Jackson was able to run him down there. Dante Jackson, I the NFL did this like um 40-yard dash like competition. I think it might have been last summer. It was within the last year or two and I'm pretty sure Marquise Goodwin, who is a legit Olympic track star, was the only guy that could knock off Dante Jackson. So awesome game for Waddle. 137 yards and a score on a contested catch. Actually had a week high three contested catches on the afternoon. So great stuff seeing that out of him and more and more really starting to emerge as not only just a low-end wide receiver too but someone that is flirting with wide receiver one outcomes here and there as well great to see from the nfl drafts number six overall pick um and miles gaskin can't forget about our guy even week didn't even matter he whipped off two touchdowns they like to use him in the wildcat by the goal line which hey it worked so screw it keep doing you he'll continue to be a volume-based rb2 for as long as malcolm brown is out I mentioned the CMC injury. Final note I had here is our PFF Lily stat. Goes to Jalen Waddle on pace this year. 17 games, so cheating a little bit compared to what we've seen in the past. But still, 109 receptions, 1,075 yards, and seven total touchdowns. Great year to be a Jalen Waddle fantasy manager. But, Dwayne, we did see... 
not Duke Johnson, unfortunately, but a different running back start to really make his name in this Miami backfield. That is Phillip Lindsay had 12 carries in this one. It did seem like a lot of it, though, was coming in garbage time. This one was 33 to 10 again, and the Dolphins held a 21-10 lead at halftime. So I know it's Sunday night. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to really dig into the quarter by quarter splits. Everyone can check out utilization report for that information, usually out on Tuesday afternoons. But Dwayne, did you get any real details about Gaskin's workload because as it stands, man, the way things are going, he's becoming more and more of an auto start by the week. Right. Yeah. You saw Lindsay get 32% of the rushing attempts today. Um, so I'm pulling it up right now in the fourth quarter. Hang on. Let me switch over here. To and, so, and just this. so everyone knows, Salvin Ahmed was healthy. It was active this game. He was healthy last game, but he was scratched. They had Patrick Laird and Duke Johnson running out there instead. So the Miami backfield of the week was Gaskin, Lindsey, and Ahmed this time. Yeah, so Lindsey had 12 attempts on the day. Five of those came in the fourth quarter. So almost half of them. Um, if you look at him in the third and fourth quarter, because this game was kind of out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so 10 of his 12 attempts came in the third and fourth quarters. So pretty much, you yep. know, in those, and I think that whole time, I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I'm pretty sure the Dolphins were ahead by 10 or more that whole time because this game they was were, out of hand they were. early. Yeah, so... Um, We'll have to keep we'll have to keep an eye on it, but it does look like it might have been just more of a closer kind of thing, giving Gaskin a little bit of you know rest. But you know, I think we could argue Lindsey's probably. I would think he's the second most talented back on the offense now. So I still, even though this was just closer time, I wouldn't worry about it so much as hurting Gaskin. But I do think that if you're going to roster in a deeper format, like another back on the Dolphins, like the only one worth doing is probably Lindsey. The others can all, you know, you're not going to keep them on your roster. So he was out there for only 20% of the snaps. So again, that's kind of another tell that it was really just more around this four minute offense kind of, hey, let's just get everybody on the bus and get back to the to the hotel kind of thing. Uh, well, I guess this was a home game for the Dolphins, so don't have to go to the hotel. Get, just get everybody home safe, Ian. You know what I mean. There um, we go. Yeah, so Jalen Waddell, 32% target share, 67% of the air yards, five yards per route run today. Like that, so that's pretty good. Um, operated mostly from the slot again, 56% of his time. Zero shots down the field. No, no targets over 20 yards, but he did a lot of it today, obviously, you know, on yards after the catch. He averaged eight yards per, per reception after the catch today. So Jalen Waddle was doing Jalen Waddle stuff that we saw at Alabama, and we're finally starting to get to see some of that. It's two weeks in a, in a row where we've really seen him, you know, kind of pop from a standpoint of just watching him, you know, play and seeing that speed. Uh, Mike Gusecki was out there 89% of the routes, unfortunately, just didn't come through in the box score today. Three targets, 17 yards. But again, like there's two targets on the team. It's Jalen Waddle and it's Mike Gusecki. So, you know, you're just going to stick with it. This can happen. Um, but, but he's playing plenty, um, and it's a team that passes all the time so I, I know it sucks um, but these are the kind of players that are tough to get off of right you know it's one thing if we see a player going down and their utilization and everything else is going down too and it's like okay fine we're done but this is truly the type of tight end where when you're looking at it it's like okay like it's eventually going to come back around like he's going to have some huge games still coming down the stretch I know that it's tough to kind of make your way through these on the Panther side of the ball Ian so here's the development so we know McCaffrey is in the walking boot and I don't know that we're going to see the same thing that we saw early in the year from Chuba Hubbard. Um, so today it was really all about Amir Abdullah. So you had the Panthers trailing. Um, so, yeah, we're going to see more of, you know, Chuba Hubbard whenever they're not in just a trailing game script. But the bottom line is we know that they're 
whichever, both of these backs are probably going to be game script dependent. So Abdullah was out there for 100% of the two minute offense, 73% of the long down and distance. He actually handled 75% of the short down and distance, um, was in a route 57% of plays. So really he's the guy that might have the more insulated role moving forward. Um, it could still be Chuba. We'll have to see. My gut is that Chuba will still start games and he'll probably be handling most of the early downs. But if things get out of hand, I think we could see things go to more to Amir Abdullah, and we could just see Abdullah pretty much handle all the passing down work. Um, and we we kind of saw that earlier in the season too, right? A couple of games where Chuba didn't get that passing down work. And Abdullah, he's actually really good at that. So I think that's going to be a situation that we'll have to kind of keep an eye on. So for those folks thinking about what they're going to do about McCaffrey or thinking how valuable is Chuba Hubbard going forward, um, I don't think it's going to be as valuable as what it, was, what it was at the beginning of the season. I do think Abdullah is going to be worth a stash in deeper formats, depending on how long we think McCaffrey's going to be out. But it looks like it'll at least be, uh, you know, he's probably not playing next week, you know, would be my guess, just based on being in the walking boot. Uh, DJ Moore, 40% of the targets. I talked a lot about him on Twitter this week just because he's really their best player against man coverage. Um, Robbie Anderson struggled really badly against man coverage, and we knew, we knew that the Dolphins ran more man coverage, like 48% of the time they're in man, and then they run cover zero more than anyone else you know, as well, and they really just tempt you. And, you know, man coverage can be really problematic, Ian, for quarterbacks that don't have really strong accuracy. Um, and it shows up in these type of games. And I think that's what happened to Cam Newton today. He's got okay, he's got average accuracy, but it's not great. And I think DJ Moore is really the only player on the team that can consistently win against single coverage, at least right now. Not to say Robbie Anderson couldn't ever break out of a slump, but Anderson only saw three targets today, one catch, 15 yards. Um, DJ Moore, 10 targets, four receptions, 103 yards. 70% uh, of his passes were actually catchable. Um, we'd love to see, you know, that 10 targets turn into seven receptions for 120 yards and, you know, two touchdowns. But it is what it is. He's still the primary target, um, and we're just going to have to roll with him. Yeah, it's a great point about Chuba and Abdullah because Abdullah wasn't even <laughs> Chuba and Abdullah kind of kind of rolling off the tongue there, Dwayne. But uh, Abdullah <laughs> wasn't even on the Panthers until week seven. So a lot of that stretch that we saw Chuba balling out and he had Rodney Smith in the backfield with him, who was stealing most of the pass down work. And then Rodney like just got waved kind of midway through the situation. So the only actual game where we had Chuba and Abdullah both on the field at the same time, I mean, Chuba still racked up 24 carries but this was in a 19-13 win over the Falcons he actually only played 55% of the offensive snaps we were seeing him up in the mid 60s a few weeks before that without Abdullah only had two targets in that game whereas Abdullah happened to have five so I, I think you're right man I think uh, Chuba will be the preferred ad but it's going to be tough to rank him even like in the top 15 I think uh, depending on how some of these injuries uh, shake out certainly not an Alexander Madison type as we'll get to in the Vikings game um, and yeah, Dwayne, you know, it's, it is one of those things with the cover th uh, cover zero that we mentioned on our game-by-game -game preview pod talking about the success they had against Lamar Jackson. I thought DJ Moore and McCaffrey could maybe create a little bit more after the catch than some of the things that we saw Lamar deal, deal with. Obviously, you lose CMC. That can make a defense's job a lot easier. Patriots took down the Titans 36 to 13, covering easily as a seven and a half point favorite over cashed at 43. 
Mac Jones, 310 yards, two touchdowns, and no, I was not that impressed, everyone. It just wasn't that big of a deal. Like, I'm sorry, Mac Jones. We will crown Mac Jones when he deserves to be crowned. It is not that time. Both touchdowns, I thought, were fully due to Kendrick Bourne. The first one was a good ball from Mac. It was a nice fade in the back corner of the end zone. Bourne still had the Masa guy. And then on the second one, it was a crosser where Bourne made no less than two or three guys miss the tackle before he found his way into the end zone. So great game from Kendrick Bourne. We had a nice pass to Jacoby Myers down the seam for 38 yards, but man, oh man, Hunter Henry was wide open for an easy 30-yard touchdown, and Mac just sailed it. There's another goal line opportunity where Mac just wasn't able to hit him as well. And it's just one of these things, Wayne, when you watch it, like, why does Nick Folk keep winning? We don't talk about kickers on this podcast. It's just a personal thing with me. I appreciate everyone respecting uh, you know, just that personal belief of mine, but Nick Folk's out here attempting six field goals again because Mac Jones is usually content to take five yards when the offense needs eight like that's our short of sticks note and that's just the way things are going look the Patriots are eight and four they just won by uh, 23 points Mac Jones is playing winning football and that's great I just don't want to put him in the conversation with the true elite elite of the league's QBs because watch one game and you will know there's a difference between what Max asked, asked to do and what someone like Aaron Rodgers is asked to do so maybe I'm being a little too rough but either way this is a fantasy podcast it's going to continue to be tough to trust him more weeks than not because again Again, this offense at its core wants to run the ball between Stevenson, Damian Harris as much as possible. And Mac just gives us such a low floor when he is not going to be throwing for 300 plus and multiple touchdowns, which he did today, but hasn't made a habit of this season. But with that backfield, Damian Harris did score the group's touchdown, ended the game, bullied his way into the end zone. Stevenson had a really nice run in the fourth quarter himself. Unfortunately, Brandon Bolden once again lowered the ceiling and floor alike for both these guys, catching all four of the backfield's targets for 54 yards himself. Right now, like Stevenson and Harris, they're in a, I think, better overall situation than the Broncos. They are in a better overall situation, but we got to kind of think of them like Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They are splitting up the early down work. The problem is they're not even getting their receptions at this point because all that is going to Brandon Bolden. I do agree that Stevenson continues to have the higher overall ceiling because he will be used in the pass game occasionally more so than Harris but even then both of them have one target in this one so moral of the story we're feeling good about these RBs as RB3 types Kendrick Bourne is slowly starting to creep his way into maybe low end wide receiver three upside wide receiver four territory same kind of goes for Jacoby Myers but it's just shocking that we have this Patriots offense proving they're a top 10 top 12 scoring unit and we can't get more out of them in fantasy land but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes with the Titans I mean it's just tough to expect anything from this offense no Henry no AJB no Julio Jones just wasn't anything going on here Tannehill did throw a short touchdown to Nick Westbrook Akini and it, that was it man like he caught that little Michael Thomas uh Oh, I asked Mike Renner. It's a, called a shield screen. You know the one I'm talking about where the wide receiver comes running in at like the one-yard line and they just immediately throw him the ball and he like yeah. scoots in. That's called a shield screen. That's the cool little football lingo for that. So learn something new today. Uh, hopefully you all did as well. So that was the score. Otherwise, we had a Dontrell Hilliard 68-yard touchdown before the half where it seemed like the Patriots were just surprised the Titans ran the ball in the first place. And then Deontay Foreman had a nice 30-yard run in the second half, but he actually had the ball knocked out. So Dwayne 
this is where I'll throw it over to you because we had Foreman, 19 carries, 109 yards, that's good. But once again, we had Dontrell Hilliard racking up 12 carries, stealing away all the pass down work. And we even got something named Kiri Blassing Game also getting some touches as well. That name actually does ring a bell from some of the degenerate uh, preseason, maybe it was even XFL um, days there. But yeah, what's going on with this backfield, Dwayne? Because no McNichol still and AP was out of the picture this week. Well, I think it's pretty much what we thought it was going to be. The early down work went to Foreman, but most of the passing down work went to Hilliard, including the two-minute offense, which is what happened. 100% of the two-minute offense went to Hilliard, 60% of the long down and distance, 67%, um, or sorry, uh, 35% of the rushing attempts. But then Foreman had 51% of the rushing attempts, but only 30% of the long down and distance didn't play any in the two-minute offense. So their snaps were pretty much even, 51% and 49%. Yes, they were both saved uh, by a long run. Hilliard was saved by a long run as well. Came out in a draw play, and you know they were just trying to get a quick first down. And you know credit to him. You know they left it wide open, and he just took it all the way to the house. So um, I think it's a situation where we know that the you know Titans want to run the ball enough that you know we can probably treat these guys as like RB threes. Um, but we just as long as we don't get McNichols back and then he gets involved too. Like and but that's we won't know that until we get McNichols back, right? And so if that happens, it's just gonna be a situation we'll have to completely avoid. Um, if it doesn't, we might be able to get a little bit of use out of, out of these, you know, Titan backs moving forward. Um, to me, Hilliard is the better playee, and just because in PPR and half PPR formats, because you're just hoping that, man, no matter what, if you can just give me two to three receptions like that that really helps me a lot now today he didn't really do that well he only had two targets one reception for two yards so luckily he scored that long touchdown run but he was out there he was the one running more routes 58 percent of the time the titans dropped back to pass he was actually in a route versus only 35 percent for foreman really nothing else to talk about um, on the titans it's really a hodgepodge at receiver <laughs> that uh, uh there's really nothing to talk about. I don't, I don't know what else to say. The offense looks <laughs> terrible. Ryan Tannehill didn't even get to 100 yards passing, I don't think, today, like nope. if I remember correctly. 93, so Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, bad bad day. Uh, and look, man, this is what happens. Like when you lose Julio Jones, you lose um, A.J. Brown. Um, those are those are just really tough things, you know, to deal with. And so I was in, it was interested that we didn't, we didn't see Golden Tate, you know, up for the game. So we'll see what happens with him. You know, not that Tate's going to save the day or anything, but, you know, he is a player that, you know, could get a little bit more involved. And we'll get Julio back here. Uh, I think he's actually eligible to return next week. Um, by so, week next week. So honestly, yeah, week, could week, not come at a better out. time for this whole team. Yeah, for sure. And they're still sitting in a good spot as far as playoff positioning goes. It, get healthy, get things right, you know, and let's see what can happen. On the Patriots side of the ball, it, you nailed it with the these are all RB3s. And it kind of stinks because really Damian Harris had made his way into that mid-range RB2 um, and before the injury. And now it really is a situation where Ramondre Stevenson is playing a lot as well. We've got the true even Patriot split going on. Snaps 37% to Harris, 33% to Stevenson, 32% to oh. Brandon Bolden. So you're just not going to want to really use any of these players. I will say Harris was at 50% of the rushing attempts, which is really... You know, that's where he was early in the season. 
And then he kind of got up to where he was around 60, 65% of the rushing attempts. So I do think like if you had to pick one of these players that you're going to use, I still would lean to Harris. Um, I agree with what you said. Stevenson could, could get utilized a little bit more in the passing game. But at the same time, I think it's going to be very hit or miss, just like what we saw today. Um, he only had one target and zero receptions. Brandon Bolden, like you already mentioned. And Bolden's out there 100% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So that's really just he is the James White replacement. Um, so these are guys that I just really want to stay away from, you know, to be honest. Um, as far as the receivers go, Kendrick Bourne, you know, didn't get to – he was just at 81% of the routes. But, man, this guy, like, keeps coming through with these plays. They need, they need to find a way to give Kendrick Bourne more playing time. I don't know what the I don't know why you must have Nelson Aguilar out there. I'm pretty sure Kendrick Bourne can do everything Nelson Aguilar can do and more. Uh, and your quarterback has way better rapport. We just Bourne. It's it's these hit or miss things because we'll also have weeks where he doesn't even get to 60% of the routes because the Patriots are so game plan specific. They know what they want to do against different teams. Their plan today against the Titans was really to spread them out and use their three wide receivers more. But next week, it could be we're going to come out with three tight ends, and you'll never even see Kendrick Bourne. Like, he might get to 50% of the routes. So he's a tough player to trust. Um, but if you are interested in just thinking, you know, well, man, maybe they'll just eventually give the guy more playing time, that's really what you're betting on if you're going to if you're gonna pick up Kendrick Bourne. That or, you're, or, you're, or you've got the Bill you know, Belichick decoder ring, and you know when the, when the Patriots are going to use three wides. If you know that, you could probably you know, say, okay, Kendrick Bourne's a boom-bust wide receiver four at that point is the way I would treat him. Uh, Jacoby Myers, he's really the only asset right now that I can think of that I would even put in my lineups, you know, that comes from the Patriots team. And I'm not super excited about it, but he just, he's the leading target on the team pretty much every week, 25% of the targets, 47% of the air yards, got the lineup from the slot, 70%. And actually at 25% of his uh, targets today were over 20 yards or more, which was really nice because we haven't seen that as much. And that's kind of been our knock on, on you know, Mac Jones, but he yeah. did to his credit, he cut it loose a little bit today. Everything wasn't short of the sticks. If you could get some more plays like that from Jacoby Myers, like he could really have some value down the stretch. But again, I think everything is so game plan specific, you can't count on it. Quickly to end this real with Harris and Stevenson, this has been ideal game script for them for the last month and a half, too. The Patriots are on the six-game winning streak now. They've won five of those games by 18 or more points. Like they got the Bills next, then they got a bye. They're gonna have the Colts, Bills again, then the Jaguars. I mean there's a real chance that three of those games, excluding the Jaguars, obviously, are more of a back and forth game. Dare I say the Patriots have to play from behind a little bit. And then, like, we're looking at five or six potential touches for those running backs. They're playing great on offense. Maybe they can't bully their ball ahead. I know I saw what Jonathan Taylor did to the Bills. I'm not saying you can't start them, but yeah, it's going to be tough for either guy to get into RB2 territory without an injury occurring. Giants took down the Eagles in an ugly NFC East battle, covering as a three and a half point favorite with their 13 to seven victory under cash with ease at 45. Another week and just more and more sheeshes for the Eagles, more than any other team throughout this entire year. Uh, do we have just bonkers stuff going on that if you only look at the box score, you really wouldn't notice. Jalen Rager, man, if he's not benched after this one, I'm not exactly sure what you need to do to get benched because he has not he had not one but two chances in the final minute to win this game for the Eagles. The first one, beautiful potential 38-yard score from Jalen Hurts down the sideline, hit Rager in the helmet slash hands. And then on fourth and ball game, Hurts is able to scramble around a little bit, give Rager a chance at the goal line. Once again, hits his hands at the one-yard line, not able to come down within end of the game. So yes, Rager had a weak high, 125 under 
unrealized air yards. But when like you're the sole problem for those air yards occurring, that's a bit different than getting wide open and having your quarterback miss you. So no, we will not be going back to the well. We weren't in the well in the first place with Rager. Lord knows we're not going to jump down that thing after this performance. So unfortunately, you know, it was Rager getting the seven targets. Our guy Devontae Smith, only four, had, was having a nice, you know, stretch going on there. But again, it's been over a month since this guy has had even more than six targets in a game. He's a great receiver. Hertz is going to throw for more than 129 yards, you know, more weeks than not. At the same time, this is a floor in what's become the most run-heavy offense in the league in Philadelphia. The Miles Sanders stuff is really annoying. Once again, this week, Boston Scott, 15 carries, Miles Sanders, 9. Even though Sanders, I mean, 7.1 yards per pop. Some of that was influenced by a 27-yard jaunt. I know he got hurt. He tweaked his ankle after that 27-yard run. But he did return to the game afterwards. And based on what we saw with Kenneth Gamewell, you know, in the two-minute drive at the end of the game and Scott still being involved before that, it's pretty clear this is not the Miles Sanders show, even without Jordan Howard involved. So our PFF Lily stat is uh, the same as it was last week just increased league high 108 touches for miles sanders now without a score this year at some point he'll find his way in but man like you lose howard from this equation you would really think that sanders could be featured it's weird Dwayne. like it's like when everyone's healthy miles sanders is the lead back but all of a sudden like backups get injured and we're like all of a sudden <laughs> moving sanders down in the depth chart so this eagles running back room you know take it from the indy uh the next sirianni coming from indy first has been more muddled in just about any situation in the league don't necessarily expect it to be more clear particularly now with sanders having to maybe play through the pain moving forward um in addition to those regular drops though greg ward also dropped a touchdown at the goal line so yeah jalen hurts the three picks he was only 14 for 31 certainly wasn't a great game from him we did get the 77 rushing yards though and just realized he had two maybe even three touchdowns dropped so i'm not really too nervous about going back to hurts down the road with the Giants absolutely disgusting nobody had more than 50 receiving yards nobody had more than 40 rushing yards Saquon Barkley had an awesome 32 yard run I was screaming he's back he's back in the PFF offices did not exactly look back with the course of the entire game. I hate taking away a guy's big plays, so I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, other than that 32-yard carry, Saquon, 12 carries for just eight yards. That's always been his game, but at the same time, like when he's playing in this offense now, that is at least somewhat willing to let Daniel Jones, you know, have a little bit more of the workload. Give Devontae Booker at least a couple carries in there. Uh, Saquon is certainly looking more like a borderline RB1, low-end RB1, as opposed to the top five back that we're all hoping he could be at this point in the season you're still going to want to start him each and every week everyone it's Saquon Barkley he is an undisputed bell cow RB1 it's just a difference between him being the peak of his powers which is the overall RB1 or being just another guy to start every week but yeah Evan Ingram you know we said before this week there's no way if he can't make it in this game he's never going to make it apparently he's never going to make it then no Kyle Rudolph no Tony no Sterling Shepard and still plenty of problems just 37 yards on the day also didn't get that squeaky wheel get right spot for Kenny Galladay he had his chances man he just kept losing at the catch point to Darius Slay who did a great job seemingly in shadow coverage throughout the afternoon so Dwayne again we had the Miles Sanders ankle injury influencing things a little bit but he returned after the issue it sure looked like it was a muddle committee by the whole maybe we'll find out some more about the specifics of the injury early this week yeah, Miles Sanders didn't play in the fourth quarter, though. Um, and then if you look at him, you know, in the third quarter, he only played uh, five plays. 
So he was definitely on pace more, you know, early in the game. If you look at just the first half, he had 17 snaps versus 14 for Scott and one for Gainwell. And then if you break it back down by the second half, uh, you know, he dropped all the way off to uh, just five snaps versus Isn't 20. Isn't it weird? Hold on, though. Isn't it weird that this happened last week, too, but with a fumble thrown in, so we don't have these clear-cut Yeah, splits, this week we had was... a Boston Scott fumble, like, and it did, and you <laughs> thought maybe. That's so right. I think there's cool. something to do here with, with Sanders' injury. I think we're going to have to see. We'll, we'll find out more. Um, but because, you know, we've seen the Eagles, if you get a fumble, like they'll send you to the bench. And that didn't happen with Boston Scott. We did see more Kenneth Gainwell, though, after the Boston Scott fumble, which was later in the game. So I, I agree. I think mostly this is just muddled um, and it's hard to pick you know, who you want to play each week. I think Miles Sanders, if healthy, it's fine. He's a low end RB2. And you're hoping he has a week where he can actually stay on the field. You know, if, if he gets, you know, 40 to 50 percent of the rushing attempts, you know, on the Eagles offense, typically that's going to be enough. It wouldn't have been today just because, you know, we saw the Eagles actually get pushed out of their, you know, what they've been doing. That's been so successful for successful for them, you know, over the first, you know, or over the last four or five weeks which is just so super run heavy. And, and they wanted to do it. They just couldn't get things going today. So I agree. I think it's just a situation that's pretty muddled. But um, Boston Scott did come through, you know, for folks today. You know, if you had to stick him in there because he got 15 attempts for 64 yards and he got you the rushing touchdown. Um, and he, was, he got two receptions for eight yards. So if for some reason Sanders is out next week, then, yeah, I think. And if it's Jordan Howard out again as well, then, you know, Boston Scott will probably be, you know, an RB2 for us. Uh, as far as the Eagles skill receivers, there's nothing new. You, you really hit it. Like, look, it's, it's still pretty much a funnel between Dallas Goddard, um, you know, and Devonta Smith. It just wasn't as much today. Today it was 24% target share to Jalen Rager, uh, which how'd that work out for the team? <laughs> Didn't work out very good at all. Dallas Goddard, I know, look, it's just kind of like the Mike Gusecki thing. I know it's frustrating, but he's out there for 89% of the routes. Um, typically, his targets per route are up over 20%. Today, he was only targeted 10% of the time. So I didn't get a chance to like see necessarily what the Giants were doing in coverage. But teams know that these are the two main players as well, right? And Jalen Hurts is another player that doesn't really have that hyper accuracy that you need, especially when you face man coverages and different things like that. So you're going to have bumps in the road with the Eagles offensive skill players, knowing the way that they, what their formula is for winning, knowing the limitations of the quarterback, at least at this stage in his career, and knowing how the opposing defenses are going to adapt based on, you know, what they have. But it is what it is at this point. If you look at the Giants, though, um, Barkley, you, you hit it on the head with, you know, he is in every down back again, 87% of the snaps, 72% of the time he was in a route, 54% of the rushing attempts, 29% of the design rushing attempts uh, today went to Daniel Jones, um, which I just, you know, I, I watch, I get it. I don't, he doesn't look very good as a runner, though. He is, me. though, Dwayne. He's the fastest man alive. Haven't you heard next gen stats? I know. It's just like Daniel <laughs> Jones. I'm like, man, I just like it. Do, it doesn't make sense to me. Like when I see some of these other quarterbacks where I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like when I watch <laughs> Daniel Jones do it, I'm like, they're just like forcing this on this guy. Yeah. Like, um, and which may have more to say about, you know, the passing game and what some of his limitations are, you know, in that area. But Barkley, you know, 17% target share, 21% targets per route run. Really nice today. He was stuffed on 15% of his attempts. 
Only 8% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Um, so that's probably actually just one carry. Um, yards after contact, almost all of it had to come after contact, 3.62. So he's not getting any favors from his offensive line either. 23% of the time um, he changed the point you know, of attack like whenever he was approaching the line of scrimmage, which is also classic Barkley. Like he's always looking to your point. He's looking for the big play, right? And so that's that's what leads to the higher stuff rate as well for Barkley. But his offensive line wasn't doing him any favors either. Uh, if you look at the rushing, the run blocking grades today for the Giants O-line, not very good. Um, Ingram and Galladay, you already hit. I'll, I'll just quickly say on Galladay, uh, 83% of the routes um, today, you'd like to see him up at like 95 to 100% of the routes for how much they paid him. And considering everybody that's hurt, like, come on, Kenny. Like, what's going on, dude? Uh, seven targets, three receptions, 50 yards, uh, operated some from the slot. 14% of his attempts or targets were over 20 yards or more, but only 57% of his passes were catchable today. Now, some of that's to do with the coverage, um, you know, and getting the shadow coverage from Slay. Um, not the easiest thing, you know, in the world to beat. But Galladay, looks slowly getting more involved. It's just a bad offense, man. So... It's tough, tough to say what it's really worth. I mean, I, I think I'm keeping him in the wide receiver four boom bust range, open to the fact that we know the guy's been a good player in the past, and if the Giants can somehow get their offense to start clicking, like it would be big for Galladay and Barkley. That's what they need. They just need to be living within a a, a healthier offense. And right now, the Giants, Freddie Kitchens didn't really fix anything for Jason Garrett. Not the best uh, takeover for the Clapper by any stretch of the imagination. But win is a win is a win. Kudos to you, Daniel Jones and the Giants. Falcons took down the Jaguars 21-14, to covering as a one-and-a-half-point favorite under cash with ease at 46. Cordero Patterson's world, we are just living in it. 108 yards on the ground with a pair of touchdowns. Looking like the best player on the field because he was the best player on the field and has been for most of the season. Good to see him immediately get back into that upside RB2 range. I mean, today he was living on the ground. Usually it's as a receiver. Going into this week, he was PFF's highest-graded receiver regardless of position. Only Debo, excuse me, I think only Cooper Cup was more uh, efficient on a per route basis. He was number two, could have been Cup, could have been Debo. You guys get the point. Other than that, though, just a pretty rough game from the Atlanta offense. Again, Matt Ryan, just 190 passing yards. He did throw a touchdown to Russell Gage. Nice route concept, you know, over the middle. Gage had a good enough game, six catches, 62 yards. But, Dwayne, we've seen Gage, we've seen Zacchaeus, we've seen different receivers have good games. The problem is we then see their zero point floor almost a week after. So, so yes, good game from Gage. Just realized everyone he has goose egged in two of the last five weeks. So be careful about trusting him as more than a boomer bust wide receiver four moving forward. And he's not even doesn't even have like true boom in his range of outcomes. So probably more of a low floor wide receiver four. And yeah, another disappointing game from Kyle Pitts. Two catches, 26 yards. You know, Dwayne, last week, Bill Belichick's genius was able to shut down Kyle Pitts uh, this week against the Jaguars. I'd be curious to hear uh, what the excuse is from people there. But it's it just... It's disappointing. He's 21 years old trying to be a featured receiver. Maybe that's just a little too much to ask from him uh, in his young career. But at the end of the day, he scored one touchdown this year, and that was when the Jets decided to cover him with a defensive lineman at the goal line. So it's been over a month now since we have seen him go for over 100 yards in back-to-back games. Um, at this point, he's still starting in these lineups. It's like Tasecki. It's like Goddard. The usage is too damn good to really get away from. I'm sure we'll see better weeks down the road at a minimum behind guys like Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, 
um, you know, Kelsey Waller, hopefully Waller's healthy. Behind all those guys, I think Pitts does deserve to probably go down to the lower half of the tight ends that we know are going to be in the top 12 week in and week out regardless. Over on the Jaguars side, another game where Trevor Lawrence, like you see the flashes, I think it's kind of fair that people aren't too worried about Trevor Lawrence uh, moving forward because what's he supposed to do in this offense? Like we now got Tavon Austin being his red zone threat. And to Trevor's credit, he threw a great ball that Tavon came down with in the back of the end zone. But LaVisca Chenault, nine targets, caught five of them, 33 yards. Marvin Jones, seven targets, four catches, 43 yards. Gotta get Laquan Trubbo, eight targets, four catches, 53 yards. They're continuing to spread it out with these backups. And because of that, like we're not getting, like we talk about in Tampa Bay, when one of A.B., Goblin or Evans are out. Usually, Brady is condensing the targets onto his other guys. Today, we saw Rob Gronkowski have a big game. That's just not what's been happening in Jacksonville. A new guy steps up. In this case, it was Trebwell and Tavon Austin a little bit involved too. And it just really renders all these pass game options as borderline useless. So, you know, LaVisca, Marvin, we'll probably have him in the top 50 somewhere, but I'm going to be answering the majority of start sick questions with the other guy as we have done all season long. Uh, good to see James Robinson, though, get over 100 total yards yards on 20 touches sure looked like his usual workload was back in action unfortunately and we talked about this on the injury pod on friday i hope you were off dan arnold already because james o'shaughnessy got activated off the injured reserve list and was back in action in this one regardless arnold did suffer a knee injury so he has been ruled out and we just need to go to a different tight end moving forward with o'shaughnessy there it does look like they're going to be splitting things more times than not find a better tight end than Dan Arnold. He got us there, got us through a good month. That's fine. Thank you, Dan. That is going to be it. Only uh, real, only two sheeshes in this one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence should have had a second touchdown. He had Dari Ogumbawale with an easy 11-yard score, went right through his hands. And also, Russell Gage, second time in like three or four weeks. This guy has some of the worst hurdle attempts I have ever seen. He got straight <laughs> up stood up a couple weeks ago, and today he had another horrendous one. So I'll make sure to clip those and uh, you know tweet out a video highlight because I, I got to touch on all the really important things out there, Dwayne. But let's stick with Jacksonville because you know much like some of these other atrocities of offenses that we've talked about already at this point in the year there's one guy we can focus on and that is the artist known as james rb1 son it at least looks like urban knows how to get one guy the football a bunch and that is robinson yeah he had 64 percent of the rushing attempts but it's like we'd still like to see more like he's giving all the long down and distance all the two-minute offense all that's going to carlos hyde 82 percent of long down and distance 82 percent of two-minute offense to carlos hyde i don't i don't understand it but it is what it is. You'll take the 65% of the rushing attempts. And even though he was not in as many routes as Carlos Hyde, 40% versus 47%, his targets per route run were 24%. So they, when he's on the field, they are continuing to try to utilize him in the passing game. So he had 11% target share today. Um, you know, on his way to 86 yards rushing. He did have a fumble today, so that could have something to do with it, you know, as well. There could be a little bit of, there's maybe some period period in there in the game where it was kind of like, hey, go sit on the bench. We're going to give Hyde these two games. I haven't been able to look exactly when the fumble occurred and then what happened to Robinson, like in a couple of, you know, drives after that. I'll have to look at that tomorrow. But he did have the three receptions for 29 yards, so that was good. Um, O'Shaughnessy was out there for 82% of the route, so if Dan Arnold is out for a while he could become kind of a streaming option low-end streaming option um, LaVisca Chenault did get to operate back inside again 71% of his uh, routes today came from the slot 
13 uh, percent of the targets he saw were of 20 yards or more which was the lowest on the team really marvin jones and treadwell were stretching the field out more 43 percent of marvin jones um, targets came on uh, passes of 20 yards or more so 6.8 yards after catch you know per reception today for chanel but he didn't really do much i mean five receptions for 33 yards on eight targets so um, kind of spread out across all three of these guys. Um, each of them was right around, you know, you had 21% of the targets to Chenault, 21% to Treadwell, 18% to Marvin Jones. And when it's in an offense like what we're seeing with the Jaguars, it's just kind of a big no thanks, you know, for me, Ian. Um, but I know some folks were excited about Chenault, so I wanted to throw out there, yes, he was working back in the slot. This was one of his better target games, you know, that we've seen in a while. But again, not able to do much with it. Um, as far as the Falcons go, yeah, Patterson, man, 57% of the rushing attempts today, playing 48% of the snaps, you know, two weeks off of a high ankle sprain. Doesn't really matter, you know, whenever you talk about Corderell Patterson, he's just going to do his thing. 16 carries for 108 yards and two touchdowns. Kings stay Kings, Dwayne, you know that. 25% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Like that's, it says explosive run rate, 25%. Uh, Corderell knows what he's doing out there. Um, that is it. You hit the thing on Pitts. 91% of the routes, you're, you nailed just like Gusecki, just like Goddard. Like these guys are getting to play. Um, you know, and he even had the targets today too. 21% of the targets, 41% of the air yards, just couldn't do much with it. Six targets, only two receptions for 26 yards for Pitts. But mid-range tight end one, if you want to make him more of a low-end tight end one, like I'm not going to argue, but he, he, he is a tight end one still. Like, Dwayne, I think almost a better, if you really want to find out, like, who the best fantasy analyst is, like the best ranker, I think it'd be, like, more realistic for us to, like, rank usage before the games, not even, like, fantasy points, because that's all we can really do. I mean, the flukiness yeah. that occurs with the plays and the touchdowns and the yards, that's why we love football. The best we can do is try to figure out who's going to be out there on the field. Right. And we can do some estimation of the quality of the usage as well. Like, you know, you're right. I, I shouldn't sell us out too short. I'm sorry. But, but to your point, like that's less controllable, yeah. <laughs> you know, figuring out the in the roles is not controllable either, but it is more predictable than trying to figure out all the other variables. So I, I agree with you. Jets took down the Texans riveting matchup here 21 to 14 covering as a two and a half point favorite uh, or underdog, excuse me, under cash at 44 and a half. Zach Wilson made one great play in this one. He hit Ryan Griffin in the back of the end zone. Potential 16-yard score. Had the rollout to his left. He saw some of the arm talent. Other than that, just wasn't too impressed. Had, like, the biggest laughing stock moment of the day. I think he kind of got did a little bit dirty on it. He was basically running up in the pocket. He threw a shovel pass off Ty Johnson's back. If Ty didn't turn around, I'm sure he wouldn't have laughed as hard as we did. Unfortunately, he didn't turn around. It hit him in the back and ended up getting picked off so we had a butt interception to put in the uh, uh you know new york jets hall of fame right next to the infamous butt fumble from back in the day but wilson still took four sacks like we saw like a lower average target depth in this one so from that standpoint maybe it is a positive like it was kind of funny when mike white was doing his thing and zach wilson said he wanted to be more like mike white but what he meant in that was that he just wanted to take the easy completions and get those checkdowns when they're there and when they're available so from that standpoint i think you could argue that Wilson did show some signs of progression, but yeah, I think it's going to be until 2022 at the earliest until we see some real upside from this offense from anyone other than Elijah Moore did come away with a team high eight targets. Corey Davis was sidelined during this one. So 
maybe can't expect as dominant of a target share when Davis is out there. But at a minimum, I mean, this is good. He is now the featured 1A, if at worst, 1B receiver in this offense. Nobody else had more than four pass game opportunities on the afternoon. So I get it. Elijah didn't really return the top tier value. We've seen him do for the better part of four or five weeks. Just realize, like, now we're comfortable still going back to him even after a dud because we still have that top tier usage. Before, it was just a little more fluky trying to figure out, is he going to actually be able to keep on keeping on or not so if we can get Flacco back under center that'd probably be a positive but we will see Wilson did bang up his knee I believe it was at some point maybe it was a hamstring uh went out of bounds he stayed in the game so I don't think he's necessarily too banged up with something to keep an eye on for sure um unfortunately the Ty Johnson waiver out of the week did not go everyone's way why because we gotta get Austin Walter as involved as these other guys uh truth be told yeah we had no idea Walter was even going to be out there involved it sure seemed like Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson were being set up to be the top two guys because they've been the committee guys all season long but I guess the Jets took a page out of the Eagles playbook and just decided to switch things up just for the hell of it so Tevin Coleman actually ended up leading the way team high 16 carries but Walter snaked away the goal line touchdown and we even saw Coleman get the pass game opportunities, Dwayne. That was the most surprising part to me. I almost expected Coleman to be the lead early down back, but we were here for those targets. It was a mix of the Jets, you know, for once actually getting to play with a lead for a little bit in this one. And then also just Tevin Coleman again playing ahead of Ty Johnson. So brutal situation, you know, we'll probably put... Uh, it's it's going to be hard to play any of these guys in the top 30, let alone the top 36. Please try to play another guy than anyone on the Jets offense unless their name is Elijah Moore at this point. And with Houston... Ty, Ty Johnson did keep the passing down role. It's just... Really? It's what okay. you mentioned, um, you know, the Jets, you know, just the way this game trip worked out, you know. He had, he had 50% of the long down and distance. They didn't even use the two-minute offense today. Okay. Ty Johnson was in a route 37% of the time. Tevin Coleman only 23% of the time, but he did lead the team to your point in targets. He had three versus only one for Ty Johnson and then one for Austin Walter. Um, but, yeah, I, look, for me right now, it's like Tevin Coleman, you can look at him as an RB3. You can't touch either of these other guys. And that's the problem. Like, we could live with Coleman and Ty Johnson. When you put a third party in there, it becomes way too complicated. And Houston, I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought Royce Freeman, who was active for the first time all year, would make this a far more annoying three-back committee than most were anticipating. And Freeman only played on special teams. Did not matter, though. Johnson, Burkhead. And, Dwayne, this is kind of our conclusion talking about this on the preview show. It was like, in the two situations this year, basically, that we have seen these Texans running backs get fed like legit volume they still haven't produced points we can barely predict what's going to happen anyway and the upside to predicting what's going to happen still isn't high so david johnson had let's see 12 total touches was only able to get 55 total yards burkhead had 15 total touches but he finished with just 54 scoreless yards himself so no Please try to avoid playing these guys. Yeah, we might be able to now squeeze them in the low-end RB3 territory alongside some other guys that we would rather not play. But again, it seems to me like a matter of, you know, when, not if Freeman comes into the picture, makes this an annoying three-back committee. Maybe Scotty Phillips gets off IR at some point. Maybe they sign someone else. We don't freaking know. The only thing we do know is that Brandon Cooks remains very good at football. Caught a 40-yard laser from Tyrod Taylor for a touchdown. Really did save his day. Just three catches, 45 yards. Um, 
on the afternoon. It's just this Houston offense really struggle busting right now. So Cooks, he'll remain, you know, a boomer bust wide receiver three that will put up some points, but man, it's just harder than ever to really feel good about him on a week to week basis. Usage, usually the usage of a wide receiver one, but man, even that's been a little bit tougher to come by in recent weeks. Like we want to see this sort of game when Tyrod Taylor has 26 pass attempts. We want to see Cooks pushing for double digit targets, not tied for the team high with Nico Collins and Danny Amendola. So we want to start Elijah Moore more weeks than not. He's not a must start uh, necessarily, but he's someone that's probably going to be a top 30 wide receiver more weeks than not with Houston. Okay. If you're in a pinch and you just probably need to start Brandon Cooks, that's fine. Otherwise, please just avoid these offenses. So only note I will make with Elijah Moore, and we saw some of this today. He hasn't been getting helped out a lot this year because nine rookie receivers have more than 15 targets. He is dead last in catchable ball rate at just 66%. So Dwayne, let's start things off with this new, we're gonna have to touch on both backfields here. Sorry, you know, the, I know these well, aren't the, we, uh, we hit the jets. most fun jumped, situations. Okay. Yeah, no, I jumped in with you on the Jets. So I think we hit everything there, but yeah. Uh, Look, if, if you need someone to fill in for Deonta Foreman or Dontrell Hill, or, or Hilliard for you next week, Ian, here you go. You get Rex Burkhead or David Johnson. <laughs> so if you've got those two guys on Great. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but it is just a split backfield at this point. Who knows, like, like you said, if it will change. 52% of the rushing attempts to Burkhead, 43% to David Johnson. Snaps, 61% to Burkhead. 39% to David Johnson. I really thought that would probably be the opposite. I thought that would be the other way around. Um, but it's pretty, still pretty much a split backfield. Like you said, 12 rushing attempts for Burkhead, 10 for Johnson, three targets for each. Um, so they were really close. It's kind of this even thing. Um, but it's a bad offense. So it's really, you're, you're just, you're, you're just trying to put a bandaid over your RB two spot and just say, just, you're just, you know, praying for 10 points. That's all you're looking for. If you start one of these two players, um, and if you get the 10 points, you feel really good about it. And you're just happy that you didn't just get five, um, as far as, and that's really it other than real quick, I'll hit on Elijah Moore in a second, but Brevin Jordan, I know we have di- folks that are big dynasty, um, you know, players that listen to the pod as well. 62% of the routes today. Um, so that was number one on the team for tight ends. Um, actually saw 12% of the targets targeted on 16% of his routes. So he's a guy that's been getting more and more involved. Um, and when they get in long down and distance and they get in two minute offense, when they know they want to throw the ball, Brevin Jordan is the player that's getting on the field. He was out there for 89% of the two minute offense and 83% of the long down and distance. So positive signs for the rookie, not something you're going to use in a redraft league unless you play in like a 25 teamer, um, you know, and you flex three tight ends every week, then you might use Brevin Jordan. Um, actually, you know, you, he could be a little higher than that, but overall it's just really more of a dynasty thing. Um, as far as Elijah Mormon, 97% routes per drop back. Mm. So elite, elite, elite. Um, that's where you need to be. 35% target share today, 47% of the air yards, 30% targets per route run, 1.7 yards per route run, despite the fact that the quarterback struggled most of the day. Zach Wilson's passing grade was a 49.4 today, PFF pass grade. So Wilson's still struggling, but Elijah Moore is out there enough. So we've seen him go from 60% of the routes to 81% last week, now to 97%. So we'll see what happens when Corey Davis comes back because we know Keelan Cole is really the guy that rotates with Elijah Moore. So we could see him dip back down into that 80% range. We'll have to keep an eye on it. 
Buccaneers took down the Colts one, probably the best game from the 1 p.m. slate. 38 to 31, covering as a three-point favorite, overcashed at 53 and a half. Honestly, a game, I mean, the Colts led 24-14 at halftime. Going to be tough to win when you have four second-half turnovers, though. Credit to Carson Wentz, though. Three touchdowns, 306 yards, had two picks, had three sacks. We saw some lows, but I mean, this was the first game that we've seen him really have to go toe-to-toe for a while, and he was able to do that for a lot of the afternoon. Only one of those lost fumbles was on him. We also had Zach Pascal and Naeem Hines put the ball on the ground and not manage to get it back in their possession. The touchdown, 62-yard pearl to Ashton Doolin down the middle, hit him in stride. I mean, truly, Carson Wentz, he's putting together a nice little deep ball compilation this year, particularly if you include some of the PIs out there. Also hit Jack Doyle for a wheel and a clutch throw to T.Y. Hilton for a score right before halftime. Unfortunately, the one guy that you, me, especially, were hoping that might ball out in this game if they did get this sort of game script. Michael Pittman couldn't quite get it done. 10 targets like he was the featured receiver I mean Zach Pascal had seven Doyle had seven but it was Michael Pittman as the one just couldn't fully come down with it 53 yards only Jalen Rager had more unrealized air yards on the week I mean with Wentz one of those interceptions was a bomb to Pittman that I actually thought was a good throw he gave Pittman a chance to go up and get it Antoine Winfield Jr. just went up and stole the ball from Pittman and won at the catch point so don't want to see that Pittman will have better games but it was disappointing to see him get the volume we wanted here just not quite be able to come through with it Jonathan Taylor coming off the five touchdown game heard around the world still managed 83 rushing yards and a score 14 uh, receiving yards wasn't quite able to keep that wild 100 total yard streak going but come on people we can get 20 touches 97 yards and a touchdown and it feels like a massive disappointment that's pretty good in fantasy land uh, only big suggestion here would be don't chase this Jack Doyle 81 yards and a touchdown we still got Mo Ali Cox there we still got Kyle and Grants in there. This happens in Indy. A tight end periodically goes off, but Carson Wentz had 44 pass attempts this week. Last week, he had 20. So be, I'm not saying it's always going to be 20, but it certainly isn't always going to be 44. And I would take, you know, that bet far closer to 20 more weeks than not over with the Buccaneers. Brady just really didn't look in his element for a lot of this game. I think the Colts did a good job keeping him uncomfortable in the pocket. He did get sacked twice, and it really turned into just the Gronk and Fournette show. Both of them had seven catches. Gronk's went for 123 yards. Fournette's 31, and he caught a touchdown. But Chris Goblin just 24 yards on four catches, and Mike Evans, 16 yards on three catches, just a combined nine targets. So Antonio Brown is expecting to be back next week. It's going to render all these wide receivers as more so upside wide receiver twos as opposed to upside wide receiver ones only one ball to go around this offense and we saw that today luckily Lenny Fournette Lombardi Lenny did happen to be the recipient of that ball more times than not overall 24 carries 131 total yards not one not two not three but four trips to the end zone looked plenty fine doing it I mean the 28 yard touchdown run at the end to ice it was his best play but more than anything it's just that sweet 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 volume his last 15 games including the two 2020-21 playoffs 203 carries 921 rushing yards 10 scores on the ground also 69 catches nice for 502 yards and a pair of scores as well so awesome stuff from Fournette Final note is that Vita Vea, all-world run stuffer from the Buccaneers, like one of the most disgusting moments of the day, but also a reason why we got to love these football players because they truly are modern-day gladiators. His tooth went flying out when he got freaking speared in the chin when his helmet was up, and he just decided to smile off the field. That was his 
you know, mouth is just full filled with blood. So my God, Dwayne, these guys truly are built different uh, in the NFL. But yeah, man, uh, you can kind of go where you want here. We know what we're getting in these in these teams. We got Fournette, we got Taylor, we got a bunch of great pass catchers. It's good to have players in these offenses, particularly the Tampa Bay. Yeah, just a couple quick highlights. Kronk was almost at 80% of the routes, which is really, that's great. He was at 77%. Um, he did lead the team in targets today, 27%. You already mentioned Fournette was second. He had 24% you know, of the targets. And the big thing with Fournette, and we've talked about it a couple times already, um, is they've just found a way that no matter what way the game goes, they'll either eliminate Ronald Jones or Gio Bernard's role before they take away Fournette's role. So basically Fournette picks up something somewhere, no matter what. Like today we saw Ronald Jones stay involved, but Gio Bernard wasn't really out there. Gio Bernard only played, uh, he only played like, I don't know, just a handful of snaps. It was 13% of the long down and distance, 1% you know, of the snaps total. So they didn't face long down and distance very often um, today. So you saw Fournette pretty much get to stay on the field all the time, 81% of the snaps, 61% of the rushing attempts. But he got to use he got to keep the passing down work, even though he gave away a few of the rushing attempts to Ronald Jones, who had 25% today. So it's a really good spot for Fournette to be in, no matter what. Like they find a way to insulate his value for fantasy uh, managers. Um, the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, 89% of the rushing attempts still doing his thing. It was just the two-minute offense was needed more today. So Naheem Hines was out there a little bit more. He played 94% of the two-minute offense. But Taylor continues to get half of the long down and distance work, which we've seen for the last couple of weeks. So he is involved in the passing game. He was also he also still saw more targets than Naheem Hines today, uh, 12% versus 7%. So Jonathan Taylor's fine. Um, this you know, this week his point of attack changed 44% of the time, and that just speaks to the Bucks' run defense. Stuff rate was 13%, which is higher than what he's used to on his year, but still 25% of his carries went for 10 yards or more, even though he's dealing with this tough um, Bucks' run defense, you know, and guys like knocking teeth out, you know, trying to stop <laughs> him. So, yeah, Taylor's in a good spot. Jack Doyle, you hit on, yeah, don't buy it. Only 47% of the routes to Jack Doyle. He's just, you know, it was one of these weird games where he just happened to come through. Michael Pittman, 24% um, of the targets did lead the team. 40% um, of his targets today were 20 yards or more. Um, so Pittman's going to have his games. Just didn't, just didn't work out today for him. Um, you know, and, and some of those pay plays – you know, I was watching them like it was it was tough coverage, you know, and Pittman, you know, it's like just jump ball situations. So it's not the easiest. T.Y. Hilton was out there for 65 percent of the routes. He saw five targets, four receptions, 28 yards. He did catch a touchdown, but also not dependable because he's only out there in 11 personnel. And it just depends on the game script for the Colts. But typically that's somewhere between 60 and 65 percent of the plays. There's not much that you can do with a guy like Hilton. Broncos took down the Chargers as we get into the 4 o'clock games. 28-13, to 13, covering as a three-point home dog, undercashed at 47 points. Teddy Bridgewater looked like he got hurt, you know, and he did get hurt. He missed a good chunk of the first half with a lower leg injury, was able to return for the second half. So got to see my guy, Drew Locke, there for a little bit. He threw an absolute horrific interception to Derwin James, and that's why I enjoy watching Drew Locke play because as horrific as it is, it's more entertaining, uh, in my opinion, than a lot of these just your typical backup quarterback who never tries to push the ball downfield or anything like that. But about enough about my weird, just nonsensical infatuation with 
Drew Locke. Teddy did have a good game here. Ran for a touchdown where it looked like he was going to go out of bounds. Managed to stay in there and score from 11 yards out. And also had a nice touchdown pass to Eric uh, Saubert, who we are never going to talk about again, probably on this podcast. But hey, went out there. And he's done this two or three times this year now where he gets outside the pocket and actually throws out a nice stiff arm to a defender, still keeps his feet and throws an accurate ball downfield. So, I mean, that's the thing with Teddy. We see him hold the ball a lot and it gets him in trouble with taking sacks. But when he can use his feet to extend plays, that's when we get the best version of him. So great stuff from Teddy. Unfortunately, when not a single Broncos receiver has more than four targets, we're not going to see anyone put up legit fantasy points. That's what happens when you win a game and you only need to throw the ball 25 times. So Judy, Sutton, Patrick, Alberto, Noah Fant, they all busted again because of that lack of volume. So Teddy, you know, him spreading the ball around, obviously it's probably a net positive in real life. Didn't help in this one. We're continuing to treat Judy at this point as the only like locked in starter and even then he's more of a wide receiver three than anything more I know they paid Sutton I know they paid Patrick sure seems like that might have been more of an investment whoever's going to be under center in 2022 and beyond because we all know they are not quite getting the most out of them in this current uh, edition of the offense unfortunately but we didn't get burnt on it this backfield split is not going anywhere Melvin Gordon got the start he got hurt with a hip injury on his first run came back in shortly after like nothing happened and continued to uh, really play well man but also work if not ahead of Javante Williams right in line hand in hand so it was Javante with a 42 yard catch and run 57 total yards receiving also chipped in 54 yards on the ground and scored the group's touchdown just realized like don't be fooled by the Javante Williams fantasy points compared to Melvin Gordon this did seem to be again what we've seen Dwayne I'm sure the utilization backs that up how about you throw me that right now yeah so it was 58 percent of the snaps to Williams 42 percent to Gordon so Williams was slightly ahead but we did have the injury early in the game but like you said Gordon came back the very next drive so I'm not going to like count that as too much but we saw Williams out there for 60% of the routes, only 24% for Melvin Gordon. Now for the rushing attempts, Gordon actually did lead the team 55% versus 42% for Javonta Williams. But you saw the long down and distance swing to Williams today. 80% of the long down and distance snaps went to Williams, only 20% to Melvin Gordon. But then just to make sure you stay confused, Ian, throw your little <laughs> knuckleball. Two-minute offense, 57% to Melvin Gordon, 43% to Javonta Williams. So to your point, it is still a mix, but it is the second time right in the last two games where we actually have seen Williams lead from a snap count standpoint and really from an overall um, touch opportunity they still stayed close but we are seeing Williams take you know a slight edge and look just getting Williams an extra two to three touches per game is you know I, I know it doesn't feel like a lot but with a player that has the ability he does to create these big plays and we saw it again today 14 percent of his carries went for 10 yards or more um, if you look at his uh, stuff rate Gordon they're the same seven percent six percent they're right there together missed tackles force though per attempt 29 percent for Javonta Williams uh, and six percent for Melvin Gordon so slight edge to Williams but to your point still very much a committee when you look at them, they really are similar. And I, I don't want to keep making this comparison, but it kind of works in ways too. The early down Patriots backs. Gordon has the higher PFF rushing grade than Javante. And the same is true for Damian over Stevenson. Now things get different when we look at yards after contact, missed tackles, force per carry. That's kind of where we start to see Javante and Stevenson get there. Because when we watch the guys run, I agree. Javante looks better than Melvin. And, uh, you know, Stevenson looks better than Harris. You can say the same thing about Pollard looking better than 
physique, not to just even further confuse the situation. Just realize it's not like Javante is awesome and Gordon sucks. It's Javante is awesome and Gordon is still very good in his own right. It makes sense that the Broncos are going to continue to utilize them both evenly. With that said, moving through week 17, Broncos get the Chiefs, the Lions, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Chargers once again. So even if nothing changes here, you're still looking at running backs that you're not feeling bad about starting by any stretch of the imagination. Moving over to the Chargers side of things, 303 yards for Justin Herbert, two touchdowns, but pair of interceptions, one of which went all the way back to the house, threw it behind Austin Eckler off the hands and proceeded to get that pick six done. Mike Williams, eight targets. Eckler, eight targets. Mike or Keenan Allen, 10 targets. You would like to see that. Williams could have had a bigger day if he didn't get this super questionable um, offensive pass interference that nullified a 25-yard catch. I get it. We're still only looking at like 65 yards, but it kind of goes back to the point we made after last week where that Chargers offense against the Steelers really didn't fix itself. It got in a situation where they hit all their underneath targets and they faced a really banged up group. I think this Broncos defense showed that Herbert and company still have a ways to go to refine that, you know, top overall gear that was on display for the first month and a half of the year. Austin Eckler did save the day with a touchdown receiving. Also six catches, 68 yards. When he scored, man, they literally threw him an angle route between two defenders and he dropped it. It looked like he was maybe about to score. I was writing out the sheesh alert, and then all of a sudden, they run the same damn play, and Eckler catches it for a touchdown. So good stuff from Eckler. Continues to be locked in as an upside RB1. Only other note is not to put too much stock into Jared Cook's day. He did have the five targets, but we also had Steven Anderson and Donald Parham remaining involved in the touchdown to Jared Cook was like the most jump ball touchdown we've had of the season. Mike Williams was back there as were like three Broncos defenders. Credit to Jared Cook for coming down with it. But again, this passing game is going through Keenan. Mike Williams and Austin Eckler after Cook. It could also be the tight ends. We got, you know, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton out there as well. Do not start Jared Cook if you cannot all help it moving forward. Dwayne, I believe that's mostly what I have here. Any big takeaways from the Chargers offense? It was nice to see Mike Williams get the targets back up, even if the production wasn't immediately there this week. Yeah, I mean, he was at 18% of the targets today. So still like not great, but, you know, better than, you know, 15%. <laughs> So True. we'll just you have to continue to take it. Look, it's a it's a passing offense. You know, they've got a good young quarterback, like we've said, you know, Williams is the number two or three option. It's usually him or Eckler that's second behind Keenan Allen. It is pretty much Keenan Allen, like across like over the last five to six games, pretty much dominated everything. Um, but you know, it it's something where we know we've got a talented player continuing to be part of an offense that we like. So you'll take it. But it's it's to the point now where he's just he's a wide receiver three, right? He got as high as being like a low end wide receiver one early in the season. And now he's really kind of back to what we probably thought of him before the season started, which is a wide receiver three. Um, really, I don't want to call him boom bust, um, but it's kind of getting to where it's almost like that, though, right at this point. So um, and that's it. Um, you, you mentioned Jared Cook only out there 61 percent of the route. So don't get too excited about the five targets. And, uh, you know, reminded you of, I think that was, uh, who was the, the rollout from Rogers to against Detroit that one year, the touchdown, that's what it reminded me of, even though it was oh, way yeah. closer. I can't remember the tight end that that was to. Oh, um, 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 Rogers. 
Richard Rogers. Yeah, Richard Rogers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of <laughs> like that, but like you know, uh, fifty yards. It was like the, less it was like the, the 50, it was like the fifteen yard version of that. <laughs> yeah, the fifteen. It was a crazy good catch from Jared Cook. I was watch, I had that game on whenever that play happened. Um, just the Broncos receivers. You kind of already hit on it. It's all spread out. But look, they were just ahead this whole game, so there was never a need really for the Broncos to have to throw the ball. You know, you had uh, twenty dropbacks by Bridgewater, nine drop backs by lock so only 29 on the game and it's just hard to really get a lot going and we've talked about it multiple times look this it's and you kind of hit it at the end there before you threw it over this thing's being set up for who the next signal caller is really um and they're gonna have like hopefully it's someone that can unlock right all of the riches because we know nothing it's teddy but teddy's not unlocking the riches um you know it's just a situation where you got too many mouths to feed um a conservative head coach and a conservative quarterback it just is what it is don't feel bad for Teddy. This dude came back from an injury that a million out of a million other people probably don't. And he has now set himself up to be an NFL quarterback for the next probably 10 plus years. Still, whether or not he ever develops into a top tier starter, you know, I would probably place my bet on no, but that's okay. He's going to make millions of dollars either starting or backing up someone that well. Life could be a lot worse than it is than it will be for Teddy Bridgewater. 49ers took down the Vikings 34-26. Got a little bit dicey there at the end, but they managed to hold on thanks in large part. Well, not in large part, but easily the funniest moment of the game was Kirk Cousins having to burn a timeout by going under the right guard, not the center, and thinking he had to get the snap there. Watching uh, Madison like just you know horrified trying to move him back over center it was a uh, pretty freaking comical out there. Kirk though in this one really wasn't quite at his best. He did find Adam Thielen for two first half touchdowns, but we kind of saw I think Nick Bosa and company able to influence him in the pocket. He only took one sack, but again we just weren't really seeing that constant dose of big clean pockets for him to step up and and deliver rockets and that's why this offense ultimately got held to just 19 points yes i know they had 26 that's because oh man Dwayne, you might need to help me out on this one akine nawagwu do you have any idea (laughs) i don't (laughs) we will work on that one second (sighs) kick return touchdown of the year this dude can legit fly and that has been a lot to a lot of fun to see out there but justin jefferson just 83 yards although we did see the nine targets you guys know he'll have bigger days the big story here obviously is dalvin cook Man, I thought it was like a knee at first because he got carted off, but it was a shoulder injury. He was ruled out after the game, and it does look like this was a dislocation. We do have some news on it from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who reports Cook suffered a shoulder dislocation, which knocked him out of the game. He'll have an MRI tomorrow to determine what damage the dislocation caused, but that is rough. Dislocation is bad. That means that it's more than grade one. As someone that separated my shoulder back in playing football, separation you can deal with, dislocation is when it starts to require surgery either way it's incredibly painful and to have a shoulder injury or a rib injury man these are the types of injuries that we can see get re-aggravated and just lessen the ability of a player like Dalvin who we're counting on handling the rock 20 or 30 times per game so man it could end his season like we have no idea right now but just realize this is not good for Dalvin Alexander Madison came in relief and as we saw earlier this year he is going to be locked in as an RB1 and man more than ever Dwayne because we got 
Amir Abdullah now taking his, you know, uh, annoying habits uh, over to Carolina and stealing away from Chuba's handcuff value. So Madison's in the clear uh, now and with Dalvin Cook out of the picture. Like he's going to be a legit top 10, if not even higher um, running back here on a week to week basis moving forward over with the 49ers. Jimmy G, another just efficient game. I mean, first drive or two, he threw a horrific interception to Harrison Smith right over the middle. But otherwise, far more good than bad. He found Jawan Jennings for a short touchdown almost got him for another one but Jennings ended up having his knee go out of bounds before he could get his foot in luckily we got Brandon Ayuk being the leading receiver 91 yards just six targets but that's okay we at least are out of that doghouse but none other than Elijah Mitchell just absolutely dominating uh, with some of these touch counts 27 carries in this one for 133 yards and a score broken finger Dwayne doesn't matter still caught five catches for still caught five balls for 35 uh, yards as a receiver as well Unfortunately, Dalvin was not the only injury we got to talk about in this one because Debo Samuel suffered a groin injury and was questionable to return. He did not dud before getting injured, of course, because he's a freaking baller. Six carries, 66 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. But Dwayne, with Debo now... It doesn't look like it's a long-term injury. He said after the game, he'll have an MRI, but there's not too much concern about the severity of it. He said he could feel it tighten up and just wanted to come out immediately to ensure it didn't worsen up. So... Maybe adrenaline, I don't know. We probably shouldn't take Debo's word as gospel for it. We'll see what the doctors say and everything. But I think the bigger kind of concern, as great of a football player as Debo is, I mean, he was balling out over the first eight, nine weeks of the year because he had one of the largest target shares in the area, largest, largest area shares in the entire NFL. Since Kittle has come back and since Ayuk has gotten out of the doghouse, it's really been Debo as a running back, which is fine. We don't care how he gets the fantasy points. But Dwayne, even if he is, healthy here moving forward I don't know that we can keep ranking Debo as a top 10 receiver and just expect him to make the most out of six to ten rush attempts per game yeah I agree I think it is problematic at this point um, and the growing he's dealt with earlier in the season so I mean this could be something where they have to shut him down for a little bit I don't have anything saying that so I mean we'll have to wait and see um, but it was serious enough like he needed to be out of the game and in in what was still a close game like the 49ers ended up you know being pretty comfortable at the end just with the way it ended um but at the time like they still really needed Debo Samuel in the game so I'll be definitely interested to see what happens but to your point yeah um I guess the positive Ian is that he's such a playmaker with having the other two back they're finding ways to get him the ball which is really through the running game but honestly we would prefer it be through the passing game you know it we are kind of picky, actually, because we want the receptions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want those catches. You want those cheap point or half point, you know, everywhere you can get it, you know. So we'll have to wait and see. But Ayuk, over 90% of the routes again, um, completely out of the doghouse. Got to operate from the slot 38% of the time in this game. They're moving him all over the field, 41% of the air yards, 23% of the targets. George Kittle came up small in the box score, but 87% of the routes out there pretty much any time they really needed him to be. Only had 8% of the targets, though, today. And again, these things happen. This we, we know George Kittle's a good player. We just all we knew with George Kittle is we just want to know that he's healthy. If we know that he's healthy, he's a he's a you know a set it and forget it type tight end. You're gonna start him every single week. Um, Elijah Mitchell, man, 70% of the rushing attempts, uh, 23% target share on the day, uh, 15% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Uh, I mean, he's this he's playing great, Ian. Like Elijah Mitchell. 
he's what everybody that's dropped all their fab money was hoping that they were getting. I mean, I, he's a top 12 back down the stretch. You know, you got to make at this point, like he's a low end RB1 every single week in my mind. Um, he's not getting the long down and distance and all that stuff. It doesn't matter, though, with the way the 49ers offense works and how committed they are to the ground game. Um, they don't really let scripts push them around all that much, even if they trail. So, and we saw that in this game because they were down early um, to the Vikings in this game. It was 14 to seven, pretty much almost to halftime. Um, as far as the Vikings go, nothing new. I mean, we'll talk more about Madison probably tomorrow, but he's the definite, you know, every down back moving forward, you know, for the Vikings until they get Dalvin Cook back. Uh, Justin Jefferson's good. Adam Thielen is good. I don't think anybody needs me to tell them that. As Dwayne alluded to, we do break down all the waiver wire targets on Monday afternoon. Those episodes are live on Tuesday morning, wherever you're listening to this current pod. But yeah, man, the Mitchell, the usage is low-end RB1 for sure. And the schedule, the same schedule that we were hoping Trey Lance would be taking advantage of <laughs> this time, is now going to go to Mitchell. They get the Seahawks next week, then the Bengals, then the Falcons, then the Titans. And in week 17, when you need them the most, home against the Houston Texans. I love that. Final game here. Look at us, Dwayne. Maybe even getting under an hour and a half. Who knows? You know, I don't I don't care how long we go, but I'm just I'm just kind of saying Dwayne and I have not meant to go so far over the two hour mark on some of these in the past. Uh, we know you all have a few other things to do than listen to fantasy football all day and night. But now, now look at me rambling and causing the time to go up. Packers took down the Rams 36 to 28. Green Bay covered as a two point dog over cashed at 56 and a half. So in this one, there's one story and one story alone. OBJ is back, baby. I mean, kind of, you know, he caught a cool 54 yard touchdown nice double move ran past the secondary and really it was encouraging uh usage overall you know all all jokes aside 10 targets for obj 10 targets for cooper cup nine for van jefferson nobody else had more than five they're going to center this passing game around their three receivers and beckham along with jefferson and as we know cup do seem capable enough of being weekly starts more times than not Credit to Jefferson came down with a 79-yard touchdown himself. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as efficient as some of these other guys. Only caught three of his nine targets. But hey, if the Rams aren't going to be as good as we thought they could be in the first half of the year, like no, maybe that's not completely ideal for our aspirations here, particularly for Daryl Henderson. But at the same time, Henderson has such an ingrained workhorse role anyway that he's going to get his pretty much no matter what. And we saw that come to fruition in this game. 16 carries, four catches, one of which went for a score. If we can get situations where Stafford is having to push for 40 pass attempts versus the 30 attempts that we were seeing more weeks than not earlier in the year, that could be what's going to allow Cup and then OBJ and Jefferson to rise. Like That's what was wrong with Robert Woods early on in the year. Cup was dominating the target share, but also Stafford didn't have to throw that much because they were beating the piss out of teams. So all those factors could make OBJ, Van Jefferson, solid starts more weeks than not here moving forward, particularly in Week 13 against the Jacksonville. Jaguars. So Matthew Stafford, 302 yards, three touchdowns. I was joking around uh, with PFF George before I got out of the studio today saying like, we might need to come up with a stat called like the Stafford, like 
bad 300 plus yard and three touchdown performances because that's what it felt like out there man so i'm gonna do some digging on that i want to use those uh totals and then like look at a pff passing grade under 70 because he hit the two deep balls but it was just a struggle bus largely other than that so took a pair of sacks had an interception in there also put the ball on the ground and lost a fumble so he's playing through the pain you know obviously he's apparently he's been playing through the pain all year Dwayne. but they waited until uh, week 12 to really let anyone know after all the struggles had uh, come to fruition a little bit more so either way we're still loving cup i mean this is a down game for him and the dude had seven catches for 96 yards it's he hit that mark again dude this is crazy so i know like seven catches for 90 yards is an arbitrary cutoff but he's hit that in almost every game this year so i looked up how many like examples of this have happened Cooper Cup now has 10 games this year with at least seven catches and 90 yards. That's already the fourth most ever. And we're only done with week 12 here. Like we had 2014 Antonio Brown get 12 such games, 2015 Julio and 2019 Michael Thomas had 11. Cooper Cup is not just the wide receiver one this year. He is putting together historic numbers and I'm sure he'll continue to do so down the stretch. He did come down with a two point conversion in this. So even though he's held outside the end zone with touchdowns, he did find his way there anyway. With the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, really the opposite of Stafford here. It was 307 yards and two touchdowns, and it felt like it could have been so much more. I wouldn't call them big drops. Like, we have some of these sheeshes that are truly brutal. Not so much with these. I mean, we had MVS deep downfield for a potential 50-yarder, and Rodgers got it in his hands, but there were two defenders right there, and he took a pretty hard hit. So it would have been an amazing catch from MVS. And also, Alan Lazard had a potential 11-yard score bounce off his hands. Once again, though, he had a big hit on Carl. So it wasn't exactly a situation where we expect him to come down with that 10 times out of 10. Dwayne, you called it out on the preview saying Randall Cobb could have a sneaky big game. And boy, did he 95 yards and a score looking more loose than he has really all year long. Devontae Adams continued to do his usual thing. Eight catches. Yeah, and Cobb got hurt. Yards. He didn't even play the second half. <laughs> I did not realize that. Good yeah. note there. Yeah, four um, for 95 and a T in the first half. Ball alert. Could have been. So just remember this against the Rams. They run all that cover six, cover four, match, cover two, all that stuff. And so it's just I think there's just this opportunity for some of these underneath, you know, receivers, especially if you've got a quarterback like Rogers, it's like, I'll take whatever you give me. That certainly helps matters. Uh, two more quick things on the Rams before we go over to the main event here. So um, Beckham was playing through a lower back injury, seemed to be hobbling around in and out. Obviously, he still had 10 targets, but just something to keep an eye on throughout the week. We already know he's playing through the torn labrum in his shoulder. Obviously, we would prefer not to have a back injury on top of that. And there was a sheesh with the Rams here. They dialed up a trick play where Stafford threw it behind the line to Cooper Cup, who then went deep to Van Jefferson, came down with a nice 25-yard touchdown, unfortunately just barely missed getting the second foot in. So Jefferson's total actually could have been far bigger, while Cup could have had that you know, awfully random wide receiver touchdown pass. But now, Dwayne, for the main event, we had Aaron Jones get back in action here, play through the pain. A.J. Dillon really continued to keep control of the backfield, though. I fully get that Aaron Jones, you know, playing out less than 100%, wasn't probably rushed back into the lineup in order to be the featured guy. At the same time, Dwayne, A.J. Dillon as a rusher and receiver has looked pretty damn good over the next few weeks. We might need to be getting both these guys in our top 24 here once the Packers, I believe they have a bye next week. Once they get back uh, into action, it's going to be tough to keep either Dillon or Jones out of fantasy lineups. Yeah, I mean, it's just a quality offense, and you 
getting both guys touches. So I agree. And, and we'll see. I think, you know, I think when fully healthy, Aaron Jones just has a slightly larger role because he's just better in the passing game. I know some of the metrics say, oh, A.J. Dillon's just as good, but there's just no, routes. Jones is better. Jones is yeah, better. there's just routes and things that Jones can can do or that he can run that really aren't in A.J. Dillon's wheelhouse. Not to say that A.J. Dillon's not good like at the things he does. Um, but I think you could argue that A.J. Dillon should have a, a larger role in short down and distance moving forward, right? Early in the season, we saw really all the stuff inside the five go to Aaron Jones. Maybe more of that should go to A.J. Dillon. You know, he's certainly done enough to earn, you know, touches in some way, shape, or form that are above what he was getting early in the season. Um, today, you didn't see Aaron Jones much in the fourth quarter, only six snaps versus 13 um, for Dillon. Um, you looked at it in the first half, everything was a little bit closer, but as the game went on, they did lean more to Dillon. And I think he just, you know, I don't know if it's a health thing, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, Dillon just looked better, right, than Aaron Jones today, um, especially on the ground. But in the first half, it was 26 snaps for Jones and 14 for Dillon. But by the end of the day, they were almost even, 52% to Jones, 48% to Dillon. Uh, if you look at the rushing attempts, 52% to A.J. Dillon and 42% to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones did keep the one, the two-minute offense. He played 100% of those snaps and 64% of the long down and distance versus 36% for Dillon. So really what you had was um, Dillon getting slightly more in the rushing game, and then you had really Jones getting around, you know, and I think this, we could see this. We could see Jones being more of a 40 to 45% of the attempts guy, but getting more of the passing down work and just basically handling all that. And we could see Dylan. I mean, we saw times, you know, where that was the case with Jamal Williams before, and that's the way they split the backfield. So that could be something we see down the stretch. And if that's the case, it's going to make both of them startable, to your point. Um, nothing else on the Packers. I mean, Devontae Adams, you know, obviously dom continuing to dominate. Randall Cobb was only out there for 29% of the routes. He did that on 29% of the routes, averaging 6.79 uh, yards per route run today. Good job, Randall Cobb. Uh, hopefully you get healthy and come back for the next game. But for now, it's going to be we've seen two weeks in a row now where MVS really is the number two guy, 78% uh, of the routes. And then Lazard was at 71%. He might not have had as many today because really he and Cobb are the two that rotate uh, in the slot. Like if you look at uh, Lazard, 55% of his routes today come from the slot. 86% of Cobb's were from the slot. On the Rams side of the ball, Daryl Henderson. Uh, elite utilization again, 81% of the snaps, 80% of the rushing attempts. He had 71% of the two-minute offense, 63% of the long down and distance. So a couple weeks ago, there was a little bit of a concern, and we could never tell for sure because the way that Henderson gets hurt every game, so you don't know how much of something's tied to him being hurt and being knocked out of a series versus a role change. But we thought there was a potential chance that Sony Michelle was kind of growing his role a little bit. And Michelle's involved. He's handling about 20% you know, the snaps, but we're not really seeing anything saying that Henderson's getting anything less than what he was early in the season. So he continues to look good, um, getting involved in the passing game. That's where he got his touchdown today. And then Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson. So all of them out there for nearly 100% of the routes, 98% to Cup, 98% to OBJ, 100% to Van Jefferson. And so just kind of looking at the way they're layering the field, um, average depth of target for Cup was a nine, Beckham was a 12. That's really more of the Robert Woods role. Van Jefferson, 19. So really the field stretching role. 33% of Van Jefferson's targets were over 20 yards down the field. Uh, he also did get to move. They moved him around a lot, though, too. He got to operate from the slot 63% of those routes. He had nine targets, hauled in three of them for 93 yards. OBJ, nine targets, five receptions, 81 yards, one 
touchdown. 22% of OBJ's targets were also 20 yards or more down the field. So, yeah, I agree. I think this is really the way they're going to attack is with these three receivers. Tyler Higby was out there for 90% of the routes. Did have five targets, but only one of them turned into a reception. And it was just for three yards. And he actually went outside of his block instead of inside, or it could have been a nice screen, uh, tight end screen play that probably would have went for further. And we've actually seen that a few times from Higby this year. Um, not only not being able to capitalize on the routes that are out there, but actually some of the targets he gets, like just, you know, he's had some bad drops. He's just, it's an all, it's been an all around bad storm for Higby, um, you know, pretty much on the season, despite the fact that he's seeing 90% of the routes. People, that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Couple notes though before we get out of here. Truly, if you have enjoyed this podcast, any of the work we brought to you this year, I invite you to get 40% off any PFF subscription and use code CYBER40. Look, this is what you want if you want to be a smarter football and fantasy football uh, fan. And, you know, hopefully, all, listen to all these podcasts, you have just wrapped up so many championships by now. You got a little extra cash in your pocket. Don't be afraid to get all PFF Slot article content weekly player ranking strength to schedule for every fantasy player betting dashboards and so much more you know we got Dwayne's utilization report one of the best articles in the business this guy almost came to work last Friday on his wife's birthday we had to all tell him to shut the hell up and go be a family man that's how hard he's working you guys know I'm out here each and every day I just I wrote 1500 freaking words on my review sheet just to get ready for this podcast should probably turn that into an article but either way we're out here grinding I want to be prepared for you all Andrew's on here he's doing eight articles a week we got Nathan Yonke again finishing as a top five fantasy pros ranker. Kevin Cole always doing great stuff with the Unexpected Points podcast and the mastermind behind all of our projections. So truly, you know, if I'm not asking you to go just buy something that you're not going to get any value out of, the goal is you go get the subscription, use code CYBER40, go make even more money and go be smarter than you already were before. So again, promo code CYBER40 for 40% off any PFF sub. That is promo code CYBER40. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is free fantasy football league manager. is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is playing our leagues on Fantrax this season. You can set up your leagues exactly the way you want. No kickers, no DST, add more flex spots, any of that, no problem at all. And guess what? We know football is almost over. We got fantasy hockey, fantasy basketball, all that going on and more. I'm sure fantasy baseball for too long. So again, Fantrax, they are giving away signed jerseys to a few lucky fans, so sign up now at fantrax.com slash pff to be eligible again that's fantrax.com slash pff and also DraftKings football fans i'm sure we all love an action-packed high-scoring nfl game but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl will be a winner once a single point is scored new customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score can win 100 in free bets it's that simple download DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff bet one dollar on any team to score and 100 in free bets if they score you score with promo code pff FF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. So sport for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And folks, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Starters is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. You can submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris and then hear the answers either on the Chris Collinsworth podcast or Western Southern's Instagram. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris if you're watching on YouTube. Check out the link in the description below. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. 
Dwayne, we got a riveting AFC North game at halftime. Ravens six, Browns three, interceptions all over the place. We're going to go catch up to that. Anything else you want to go off your chest? No, man. So talk to you tomorrow. Good stuff as always, and I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll be back each and every day as we always have been throughout the season. So hope you enjoyed this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.